Yeah. Salutations and greetings to you all. Welcome to it. This is Two Second Round Picks in the Fax Machine, the NBA trade show, brought to you by Loud Boot Podcast. I am your host, True Story. Thank you for joining us for this ride. On today's episode, we're profiling a team that, for many of us, it was one of the teams we were well vested in last season because of the potential they had right through from the draft and the trades they made and even just how they they performed and how they weathered adversity and even made it through to the playoffs, right? So the Dallas Mavericks are one of those teams that we're looking at in the West saying, if anybody sees power in the West over the next five, six years, they have a window that they they can strike, you know? And it's much akin to what it was before when they had Dirk, right? That you just had the superstar talent that would always get you by to the point where once you have a window, you can go all in and just keep being vested in your ethos, keep building around what it is that you're doing, and you will be rewarded soon enough, right? So coming into it thinking, I mean, 2011 champions and now in a position to maybe win another championship in this next decade, that's a good position to be in as the Dallas Mavericks, you know. So for Rick Carlisle, the head coach, it's good pressure to have because he's he's taken superstar talent and managed to get to the playoffs. Now we want to see improvement to the next season, right? So for the GM, Donnie Nelson, who's cut, who's cut from a good cloth, you know, a son of Don Nelson, you know, one of the winningest coaches in the NBA history, and somebody who's had connections where he cut his, he cut his stripes coming up, as a, as a scout, and he had European connections, which eventually led to Dirk Nowitzki, you know, so it's one of those, and then he was instrumental in trading for Steve Nash, so you're looking at that saying, okay, well, Luca, and then getting Porzinga, there's so much history in that, there's so much, there's so much tradition already etched in that, that you're thinking, okay, they could have another one of those, you know, and Mark Cuban is a type of, of wealthy owner who was more adventurous, who knows what time it is, you know, when it's time to go, that he will be willing to spend when it comes to luxury tax and whatever else he needs to do to make sure that that institution is ready to go, right? And it gives you reason to have hope then for Dallas because Luca coming off an amazing season, it's now we want to see more, right? Pazinga's finally coming off a season where he's staying fitter and he's staying in shape and he's staying out of trouble and he's putting up numbers as well. That's dope to see, you know, let's add to that, you know, because it basically had those two guys, Seth Curry, Seth Curry coming off the bench, um, Tim Hardaway Jr. trying to give them some solid minutes. They were trying to give minutes out of Kleber. You know, they were trying so much that you really felt that as if, if they could sit down and really have a go at it and get two or three players of their choosing that fit this, that they're trying to do. They have a real chance at it, right? And I sat there and I thought to myself, what scenarios would be so ideal for a team like the Dallas Mavericks, right? And already having that talk of, hey, they, they would rather clear up space for Atatokounmpo next season when he, he maybe goes into free agency and not explore trade this season because maybe assets-wise, they'd be hard-pressed for a trade unless they give us Paul Zinger and try get another team involved to give Milwaukee the picks, right? So you look in there thinking, mm, if you're saying you want to be in for it maybe a season from now with free agency, you have to be a team that's doing well because Atetokounmpo wouldn't want to go to a team that, pardon me, is still an outside bed team. He wants to go to a team where he knows it's a KD type thing where when I go here, it's two, three rings, you know, and then I can solidify my, my, my legacy and move on from that. I don't have five years to go grind out a two ring at most, you know. That's not what it is, you know. So I think for the Dallas Mavericks, the Atetokounmpo vision, that's great yet. 
build yourself in house, you know, build yourself a team that you know at the very least you can go out with. And even if it means build yourself a team that has assets and that even has that feel that you want to create for for for, for Antetokounmpo to come in, right? That Euro feel. That's when I was like, oh, they could Euro step up the process, literally, right? Where if you don't get Antetokounmpo with these moves that you make, either you get him through sign and trade and leveraging some of these assets or at the very least, you make yourself an attractive destination for a free agent in future. And at best, you could actually become that winning team in-house, right, where your players can progress, where within Pozingas and within Donkic, you already have two all-star caliber players. Adding a potential all-star guy or adding a guy who's already an all-star and putting a guy around there who's a marksman, that could do a lot there. That could do a lot there, and especially keeping that Euro feel about it if you can, right? So we thought to ourselves, what moves could we make? And it literally came down to two trades and a free agency move that would literally be golden for them, you know? So it's okay, explore a trade with Orlando, who I think, regardless of whatever Dallas looks to do, that should be their ideal trade partner because these. There's enough synergy there to get things done, especially with where Dallas are as a team and where Orlando are as a team. Where Dallas are good, where Orlando want to be. And Orlando want to use assets the way Dallas did to get good while not having to be trash necessarily, which they've done so far, yet they haven't unearthed the, guy, the, the guys that could be those guys for them, right? And in essence, they could get some of that in this trade. Or they could at least, at the very least, start to step up their process where they have a Markel Fault, partner him with somebody who can actually step up his process and get him to a level where in the East they can maybe be an 8th, 7th seed, right? And then this trade came to mind where you have guys who have player options, and as Charles Barkley always says, is that when you have a player option of, of, of good money on the table, more often than not you take your player option and you play on your player option, especially in a situation where you can play yourself into a good deal, a long-term deal, right? Because right now you could rescind and, and not go in on your play option, go into the free agency. And it's a, it's a season where not too many teams will probably be giving up mega free agency, free agency deals unless it's to a, t a player that they know they can guarantee performance out of. And in some guys, you know, it's, it's up, down, up, down, you know. And you had a good season last season and you're going to maintain it next season. So if you're in a, in, a, in a contract year and I know you're coming off a good season, at the very least, we might see uh, an improved season from you and then we guarantee what we pay you down the line. At the very least, we know what our production may look like in, 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 peak, in peak performance, right? So that's when Evan Fournier came to mind for Dallas, right? Where you have a wing that can play two guard with Luca or play three guards sometimes in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a death lineup or in a set where you, you're playing him off the bench or you're playing bench guys around him, right? And it's a guy who's got a shot on him has improved so much as a defender and even I think as a player all around, right, where early on Evan Fournier came into the league, he was so flashy in how he tried to just always be everywhere and try to score and just do everything that when he started to hone a niche for himself, that's when it became, okay, now we see the player you are. You're a 3 and D guy who can get the ball and dribble and do a lot more. You, you, like, clay, you, like, you like clay, you know, so if you can be clay to, to Dantich Steph, then you have a backcourt now where Luca doesn't have to guard. I mean, Luca is an improving defender, and he's got the body type to be an, a great defender, especially at point guard. We have a very big backcourt now with Evan Fournier coming in there, right? And his numbers were good last season. We're at 18 points, 3.2 assists, 2.6 rebounds. You get a pretty solid player at 28 years old. 
you know, and you can pay him long term, say so we'll pay you three years with, with an option in the fourth year, knowing long term for this first window, we know what we have and we secured there. And we've paid in a guy where once that salary goes off the books or whatever the case is, we can go get a younger guy, but we know what we need production value there. And then you go to a Tim Hardaway and say, trade him to Orlando where it'll be the perfect place for Tim Hardaway to play himself into a long-term contract and nail down a position in the team, right? Where next to Markel Fox, I can envision that being a light-out backcourt, especially in the East where all you need is a couple guys on your squad that can go and, and get a couple buckets and you already have a competitive team in the East, right? And for Timmy to be able to play at his, at his dad's former team, that's also kind of clutch for me as a basketball purist. So you give, you, you give Timmy to Orlando plus the 2022nd rounder via Golden State and say to Orlando, it's a high second round pick. You get Tim Hardaway, go build out your team and build around Fultz long term and pay into guys like Fultz, pay into guys like Mobamba and build your team around that. And if anything, in that same conversation, say to them, okay, we're going to do this trade yet. We have another trade we want to do with you that allows you to continue down this road. And this is the trade where we said in trade two, you'd have to soften the blow at first, you know, so you'd have to take Fournier off them because they felt maybe that was a contract that were trying to move. Tim Hardaway Jr., yes, he gets paid more at 18.9 million, but he gives them a lot more production. And I think down the line, he might be the, the type of player that we're really looking for in that position, right, where they've tried guys like Terrence Ross in them. They need a solid wing that can play next to their point guard of the future and build a team around there. And then they have a guy like Nikola Vucevic who's always done so well for them yet. It's like the ceiling with the team is at a certain level with him being your best guy. You need to almost rebuild in a different direction. And in Vucevic, you have an all-star guy who, if you are Dallas, you know the value you're getting in Vucevic, man. It's you have a guy who's paid in at 30 years old, three years, 26 million, yet he's solid in his position numbers-wise. He gives you 19.6 points, 10.9 rebounds, and he's 3.6 odd assists. He's the perfect guy to play when Pozingas doesn't want to play power forward, right? He wants to be a stretch four. And Vucevic can stretch the court, so you're literally playing five out when you have Vucevic on your squad. And then in that trade, we say, okay, to make the numbers work and to make it more feasible for Orlando to want to do a trade like this, you say, we'll take an Ilfi Payton, right? Where he has four years, eight million, on his contract and he's a solid backup guy at 26 years old where you could play him as the backup to Luka Doncic and he's 10 points and he's 7.4 assists they will do a lot he's 4.7 rebounds especially for a small guard they will do a lot in your in your back lineup right and I was like okay the only way you could get that trade truly made is if Orlando are now incentivized and how would you incentivize Orlando in a trade like this is maybe get a third team involved. And we thought to ourselves, what third team would be involved in a trade like this or want to get involved in a trade like this in a, in a sense where they would be enriched and they would be suited in maybe making some of these moves, right? Because there would be salary involved. So we're saying, okay, Nikola Vucevic, Ilfi Prayton to Dallas, right? And then we sit and have a conversation about Orlando taking Maxi Kleber, because they would need a center to be a backup to more Bamba and especially spot minutes with him. And Maxi's on a decent contract at three years, 8.2 million, right? Where he gives you decent production and then you partner that with some picks for Orlando, right? Because Maxi's 9.1 points, 5.2 rebounds at 28. They're good to pay up with a more Bamba who will eventually play himself into a double-double guy, yet you need a guy who can come in and give you some 10 solid points and at nine, ten solid rebounds, you know, every game. 
you get a 2022 and a 2025 first rounder from Dallas. Dallas give up their picks saying we'll be good now when we have Vucevic. If you Orlando, you say those picks, if Dallas are good, we can trade down the line. Or we can, see to, we can wait to see what they look like. And we got some return on investment down the line for Vucevic, who have turned into a very good player. The third team involved in New York then would have to be incentivized through taking a salary from Dwight Powell, three years, 11 million, so that you know, Dallas can clear some salary and clear some position there to be able to go get a veteran guy to back up Vucevic. You'd have to sweeten that part then with a Seth Curry. And then New York finally get the curry, you know, because <laughs> New York need a curry. And Seth's contract is brilliant at three years that he's the he's the perfect guy for New York to build around, especially when they don't have their point guard of the future locked in. That if you go in the draft and you manage to do something, trade some of your picks or whatever the case is and trade up and maybe even land a mellow ball. You need somebody next to him who's a shooter who can still give you that production. Your team can become good. Now knowing you have R.J. Barrett, you still have Kevin Knox, you can pay into you can pay into 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 guys like Julius Randle and, and see what you have there, right? So look into that. I felt as the as the as the New York Knicks, knowing that a 2020 first rounder from Dallas, it's not a high pick yet. You already have the eighth pick as New York, you know, and then you get a 2021 second rounder. So you sit there where you get your own pick back in 2021 as New York, the second round away. If you're not good, you still have your second round pick. You get a 2020 first rounder from Dallas and a Curry. You know what I'm saying? And the backup center. Well, if you keep Mitchell Robinson, you can start him now because Dwight Powell is there. Now you have two picks in this draft where you can package those two picks to a team like the Warriors who maybe didn't want to pick so high where at eighth pick they can get a player that they wanted in Daniel VJ if he's still there and then maybe pick around 20. Or you can package it in and do something else, you know, in, in, in future drafts and give it to a team that wants to draft the season and knows they've identified players that people aren't looking at. I felt those, those trades were so ideal because now you have a situation where all three teams are, are benefited, not just short term, but long term. And now we're looking at a more interesting league where Dallas are very good right now. Orlando have the potential to be good in a season or two now when they have, they have a core to build around and they have some assets. Then New York also have the potential to become very good seasons from now because they have a quality player in Seth Curry who can mentor R.J. Barrett and, 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 and Kevin Knox. And then they have two picks in this draft plus a couple picks down the line. There's a lot more feasibility there for them, right? Because Seth can actually get his production even higher in New York where Seth can average 20 and, and 8, you know? And do very well. And we want to see that for Seth Curry because he's got that, that ceiling in him where he's not just a knockout shooter on a pretty good team. He can actually lead a team when he shoots in the way Steph has. You know, it'll be nice to see him get that look and for New York to have that player who can do that for them. The, the third move we spoke about at the start, which would be a free agency move where you have Courtney Lee's, you know, close to 30, 30 mil on, on contract and he's a free agent. And then you've moved that off the books. You've moved, uh, you've moved Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract off the books and you've added Nikola Vucevic. You have room to go and sign a guy in free agency to maybe a 15, 20 million, three, four year contract. Go get you a shooter that finishes this Euro feel and makes it now polished where Luca can get his buckets and do what he's got to do at the point. You know, Evan Fournier can guard his guy and still get his threes, and when he's got to get the ball and break it down, he can do what he's got to do. Pozinga can get his touches at point forward at the four and still get his shots off. Vucevic can get his touches down low, still stretch the court and get his rebounds and get his blocks. Then you have Bertrands on the wing. Just if they're double-teaming anybody, Bertrands is open, and he's going to knock down those shots, right? He's a free agent this season, currently earning $14.3 million, where negotiating an 18.5, 19, 20 million, three to four-year contract, 
That's soft. Now you have a sniper on that team. Oh, man. Now you have a squad, I felt, where there it is there for you as Dallas, right? You have a Euro team that has a Euro feel that is truly built for this thing, and they're so unique in their, in their attraction that I would just watch that team for that alone. And you have the assets where Bertrands, Fournier, Pozingas, Vucevic, you have enough to offer to Milwaukee if there's a sign-and-trade to be done for Antetokounmpo and pair him with Don Kitchen and rebuild around that timeline down the line. Yet you're good now and you're potentially even great in the future. You know, Dallas, now you, we're just looking at the takeaways now saying Dallas get the third Euro all-star that they needed in Vucevic and a potential scorer in Fournier, who jobs well with these established stars, bro, and adds a, add a bit of Janessa car to it that I feel is, is nice for Luka to have where there's a lot more flair to it, right? Well, Pozingas is flair with his shot as a stretch guy. Vucevic is a guy who shouldn't look like he should be cleaning the boards and being the defensive anchor, yet he's there, he is. Bertrand's with the shot. Oh, that's a nice squad, bro. Orlando get assets and picks and vets. Kleber can mentor Bamba, you know. Hardaway can mentor Falls. He plays on his dad's former team and makes a name for himself there and establishes himself, gets, gets, his, gets, his, gets a chance to retire at a team where, you know, he, he leaves a legacy of his own as well. New York finally get a curry, man, and, and bring some excitement to Madison Square Garden, man. With another first-round pick, they can package with their eighth pick, like we said, and get a crack at moving up the draft. Or just finally have a chance to draft in a while because you'll have two picks, you know what I'm saying, and you have two picks. So in total, because I mean, New York have five draft selections this season if they do this trade. Now when we're looking at the trade in totality, right? Because you have three first-round picks in addition to LA's selection, the Clippers. So they have two 20, in the 20, late 20 picks, and then they have the eighth pick. And two second rounders that are pretty decent. They can package all of that and move up, or they can do what they want to do, which is draft well. And that would be so dope to see New York have a chance to draft well and add five potential pieces to their, to their team when they are good down the line, right? Or leverage all of that and go get you a genuine all-star guy now, go package it for Bradley Beal or whatnot and be like, yo, we got a guy now and then we got R.J. Barrett and we cleared up cap space for a free agent. We're attractive destination. We are New York, right? Man, it would be nice to see. So across the board, I think all teams win. Yes, this was a show for Dallas, yet you always want to see other teams get more than just two second-round picks in the fax machine and this is dope to see, man, because Dallas get good now and that Euro-stepping lineup, bro. Huh? Donka there. You know what I'm saying? Fournier there. Bertrand's there, Pozingas there, Vucevic there. That's a nice little that's a nice little combination to put together and make it work, you know? Then we sat and thought to ourselves, like, okay, what would your option two be? It would be to literally go in it, you know what I'm saying? Go in it if that's maybe a little bit too adventurous for them. Go in it and get you guys that you know you really, really like as 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 Dallas, right? Guys, you know. Okay, if you maybe have trepidation about paying Vucevic long-term, you don't want to pay Bertrand's long-term, you don't know about Fournier per se, you want to have a younger, a younger core to rebuild around, Pozingas wants to maybe be used as a stretch five, or you want to have more versatility in that position. Okay, what kind of trades could we look at, right? And then the thought came to mind of one guy where you could be solving a lot of, a lot of issues in Indy, where DeMontis Sabonis is a great fit for Dallas where he and Pozingas is a nice, nice mesh-up where if Pozingas wants to be used as a stretch five or is better as a stretch five, you have DeMontis there as a four who also defends well and can also stretch the court, right? And you have more flexibility in that position. 
And I felt for Dallas, getting a guy who's young and subordinate to 24, you have a core to build around, and you still have those assets if you want to entice, you know, Milwaukee to do business down the line for Antetokounmpo, right? So you have a guy like Sabonis who four-year, 18.5 million paid into his contract. It's good. It's a good contract for the production he gives you at 18.5 points, 12.4 rebounds, five assists. It's a guy who I feel if you can speak to and talk to him nice and say to him, DeMontis, you better as a five like your pops was in that sense, right? Then have Pozingas next to him as a stretch four where you have the craziest combination where you have a small ball center and a, and a, and a stretch ball four who's like seven foot one whatever Pozingas is and he can still stretch the court and DeMontis can still go outside and stretch the court. For Indy you will solve the problem down the line in this trade right where you'll say to them we'll fix your Oladipo quote-unquote situation with Oladipo and Brogdon by you getting Hardaway on his player option right and then you can pay into Hardaway and Hardaway can give you that production you need then you get Maxi Kleber to spot you center minutes right three year 8.2 million if you see Miles Turner as a center Maxi Kleber's there to spot minutes if Miles Turner feels more comfortable as a power forward Maxi Kleber can start minutes there and then you move Miles Turner there in a small ball lineup in the death lineup situation right for Indiana the 2021st rounder you know via Miami, who's the third team, we've blown that up now, well, it's the third team in the trade where we'll have the 2021st rounder via Miami, the 2021st rounder via Dallas, the 2020, what is it, second rounder via Golden State, and the 2025 first rounder via Miami, saying to Indy, build on your timeline where Brogdon is your guy right now and he can keep things going, Turner is your guy down the line, you can have a good squad right now, yet the ceiling with them is this, it's three, four years down the line, you're going to still have to rebuild this. So rather build them up to, into their max value and maybe train them, trade them for younger guys knowing you have picks down the line that you can work with. And going into the season knowing you have young guys, you can add to complement them with three picks. And then you have this 2025 first round of our Miami down the line that you don't know what it may be, right? That's great for you because you get the production you need right now in Hardaway next to Brockton. And then you can fill out your lineup where you have... Where you have uh, Miles Turner playing power forward, Maxi Kleber. You have room now to go insert a small, a small forward who can give you shooting. And you're still competitive in the East, yet you still have the young assets to build around that you've drafted this season, right? Then Victor can move on to a situation in Miami where he's got a chance to win. Yes, it's a competitive in the East, yes. But I feel Miami on a different timeline where Victor deserves a position like that, where he deserves to play in a situation where he can win and maybe not have to be the guy. They have Jimmy Butler being the guy. And Victor can maybe be the point guard next to Jimmy Butler's stretch, stretch wing. And then you still have Tyler Hero. You still have, you know, Duncan Robinson who can, who can get buckets. You have a squad still there. You still have Bam Adebayo down low. You still have something there. Then in that same trade, you say, get Doug McDermott, you know, because Doug McBuckets on Miami Heat, where we saw them in this past playoffs, where just a little bit more shooting would have made the world of difference. A little bit more playmaking would have probably won them the title. Victor Oladipo gives them the playmaking and a little bit more shooting. Doug McDermott, he certifies the shooting for them. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson are your older shooters. They will have so much more to offer there. Where now you have a squad as Miami to go forward, yet Indy, Dallas gets their player in DeMontis a bonus, and India is still well remunerated for giving up these players, right? Because Tim Hardaway, Maxi Kleber, plus these picks is a good return for Indy. Where you, may, you may get offers for Vic, but I don't think you will get two or three first-rounders for Vic, right? You're getting three first-rounders and a second-rounder for Vic, plus a player who can step in and play for Vic, plus a player who can step in and play for the other guy that you're losing in, in, the, in, the, in the forward positions. That's a great trade for Indy. And for Miami, you get two guys that can literally help you go forward next season. 
and put you in that window again to maybe compete for a title because the East will be open yet again, right? And all these teams are basically just gearing themselves up for a run in the East. And it's, it's rare to see teams in the same conference do trade sometimes, yet this would be ideal for all of them because they're on different timelines. And they can literally acclimatize and adjust their timeline, knowing if, Andy, if it opens up for you, you can go. As Dallas, it's open for you now, you have a chance to go. Miami, it was open for you last season, it's going to be open for you this season at the very least, maybe even next season. Go for it right now, you know? And then you see where the chips fall. You see where the chips fall after that. And then we thought, okay, if you do that trade as Dallas and you manage to secure Sabonis or Pozingas as your front court, you're going to need a backcourt partner then for Luca, who shoots lights out and has the potential to be a high-ceiling defender. And I thought to myself, with the assets you have left, you don't have too much. Yet there's a guy out there who you could get on a one-year quote-unquote rental and then you can clear up the space to pay him and it could reward you so well. Luke Kennard in Detroit is that guy for me where coming into the league, we saw the ceiling for him as a shooter. Detroit didn't have much going on when Blake went down last season and then you have, you have Derrick Rose taking the points and leading the team pretty well. Luke Kennard was one of the standouts along with Chris Wood, right? And Luke Kennard's 15.8 points, 4.1 assists, 3.5 rebounds next to Luke's 30, 10, and 10. Come on. Next to Pozingas giving you a 25, 10, and 10. Sabonis being able to give you a 20, 10, and 5. That's a team that can literally go very far, you know. So there's a lot of hope for a team in that regard where you're saying, okay, get, get, get Detroit having DeLon Wright, right? And then a 28-year-old DeLon Wright and, and a 28-year-old DeLon Wright in in, in a 28-year-old DeLon Wright in Dallas right now is maybe not the best fit for them. And moving on from him, knowing he's got two years left in his contract, going to Detroit, who will probably lose Derrick Rose. You're going to need somebody to take that point guard position. Get a, a guy in Justin Jackson who, he was a great talent, I felt, at North Carolina. You know, for me personally, having seen guys who, who stay out and, and go through their sophomore year and graduate right as seniors and then go to the league still and still have that potential to play in the league and make it in the league is great to see. I guess the fit in Dallas didn't work where the Dallas that drafted him then and the Dallas he's on now are two different Dallas teams. And for Justin Jackson to go to a team that is maybe able to give him those looks that, that Christian Wood was getting last season as a, as a stretch guy. That would be great to see because he can play, he can defend, he's got toughness, maybe work on his body down there in Detroit, you know. You know how it goes, they lunch pail and come to work, come to work Detroit, you know. So that would be great for him. DeLon Wright as well, being somebody who won a ring in Toronto, going to Detroit and maybe helping to create a new culture. That would be great as well to see, right, knowing Luke Kennard is on a one-year deal, probably won't resign in Detroit. And, and if he resigns in Detroit, it'll be a sign and trade. Do a sign and trade that maybe gets you assets this season or at the very least future assets. So you have two guys in DeLon Wrights and Justin Jackson who can get, help you going into next season. Then take these future assets from Dallas knowing if Dallas are all in on this timeline, you don't know what happens. You don't know if they don't win for a while and Luca becomes disgruntled, right? You don't know what happens with Pozingas and if his body doesn't hold up or if him and Sabonis don't match. Yes, we're doing these trades yet. You have to look at the other side of it. You don't know what happens. So getting a 2022 first round and a 2025 first rounder from Dallas as Detroit knowing we probably weren't going to be able to resign Luke Kennard. If we did, it was going to be a signing trade. We needed to get some assets back that would help us at least be decent to very good. DeLon Wright is a point guard, gives us some, some shooting, some light-up ability in our backcourt and some experience on a decent contract. Justin Jackson gives us a guy who's still 25 years old, so he's young and still has some very high upside, so we can build around that. If Christian Wood leaves and then you have that, you know, with maybe Blake next to Justin Jackson for a season, you still have Derrick Rose, DeLon Wright, sporting minutes. You have a team that actually potentially is pretty good in the East. 
And then you can see from there where a season from now and Blake and them are up, Jalan and them, all the contracts are up. You still have these assets in 2022 and 2025 to maybe package with Blake and them in a sign-and-trade and moving on elsewhere and getting some young guys back and building around that new timeline. I thought of that saying, okay, now you have four guys you can build around for the future in Pozingas, Sabonis, Kennard, and Luca. You would need a veteran guy playing on the wing that would give you that reliability, at least at the very least, starting with you have younger guys in Dallas that you want to give a look to. Signing a guy like Carmelo could do so well for you. And for us as a show, we purists, right? We want to see Carmelo in a look like that where you're in another winning situation because it, it was nice to see what he had potentially in Portland where if he was the third, fourth best guy in some of those games, instead of having to be the second best guy, that team would have probably gone far. And now in this team where you have Porzingis who can still go off, you have Sabonis who can still get his buckets, Kennard can still shoot. Luca, I mean, Melo being the guy who you can pass the ball to as Luca and, and having that veteran presence in that locker room, I think would do so well in Dallas right now. Especially knowing that this is their window then. Their window now becomes a, we have a 10 years to look at it. You know what I'm saying? Porzingis, Sabonis, Kennard, Luca, all under the age of 25. You have 10 years to look at this and say, we have 10 years to say, hey, let's see where we can be. It will open up for us in different pockets and then we'll strike. You know what I'm saying? And the starting five of Luca, Kennard, Melo, Sabonis, and Porzingis in the front court. Ooh, that's a lot of shooting. <laughs> that's a lot of scoring. Say what you will about the defending. That's a lot of scoring. Where they can comfortably put up, put up 120, 125, 130 a night. And you just have to now outscore them. And that will be hard to do every single night in a seven-game playoff series, right? So shout-out to them. I think that would be great trades for them to do because our takeaways from that would be, in this scenario, Dallas go younger and they rebuild around a longer window. You know what I'm saying? With a higher ceiling of players. Miami can also too love for their run now in the East. Detroit get future assets and get some more project players to potentially use and build up the way they did Chris Wood. You know, where they can maybe flip uh, DeLon Wright to a Justin Jackson a season or two from now and get more assets and just keep acquiring assets because for Detroit, your window will open up. You just have to keep acquiring assets. You can't stand still. That's how the game goes. If it's not your turn now, then you have to keep waiting and working towards your turn. You can't just keep waiting and, and standing still in that regard. So for Dallas, because this is who we're focused on, there you go. You have your team to be able to go in for the future. And now you don't have to be thinking about too many other things. You know, if Janice becomes available, you have the assets to, to trade. We have Pozingas and a Canard plus some picks to get Giannis. And the third team involved, you can maybe get Giannis. Right? Then you still have Sabonis, Giannis, and Luca. That's a nice five. That's a nice team to build a, a five around going forward. So I'm, I'm, I'm now more hopeful now for the Dallas Mavericks saying, okay, at the start, I thought you don't have too many assets and you don't have too many players that people will be enticed by. Getting some teams involved in three-team trades was, was more feasible for them. And they have that, I think, good standing within the league with Donnie Nelson, Mark Cuban, Rick Carlisle. It's people who are, who are well-revered in the league, right? Where you can knock on a couple doors that some people maybe couldn't knock on and get these deals done. We can go to Indiana and have that conversation and be like, okay, we know, Larry, that we're not coming with the right package, but we need Vic to move to Miami for us to get this done. And Vic moving to Miami may fuck some shit up for you, yet we can give you Timmy, we can get Miami to give you some players, and we'll look out for you down the line. And by the way, here's Maxi Kleber. You know? And then you get DeMontis, and you sort out a problem for, for Indy that they had when it comes to DeMontis and Miles Turner. 
and you help Miami in the process, you get help too because then Detroit will be more inclined to say, hey, let's do business for Luke Kennard because we probably aren't going to get much for him in a sign-and-trade down the line. His production is high right now. Let's get a sign-and-trade going. Something for you. Melo will be available in free agency on a veteran minimum, give him a good deal, and there's a, a guarantee starting at, at the very least 15, 10, 15 minutes starting at the, at the, the beginning of a game. He can get his 10, 15 points. That's soft because you can go to him early in the game knowing his death lineup is Luca now putting up 10, 15, 20 points in the fourth quarter. Yet you need guys like Kennard, Melo, Sabonis and Pozingas who are able to put away their shots early and keep the team going. That's what keeps the team like with some continuity and some sustainability going down the line, right? And so for us in the show, it was all about trying to make Dallas better and I feel we've done, we've done a lot of work towards that. And again, it's a process, right? This would just be big initial phases towards that, where there'll be small moves that have to be made in free agency, signing veteran minimum guys to add shooting to the squad at the end of the day, right? You still have in this trade, luckily, Seth Curry to add shooting. You can do a lot with that squad, right? And it's exciting to see Dallas in a position like this where they can strike at any time like they had an opportunity to do in 2011, and they did, and they won. So for Dirk to have won a ring and Luca to ascend to the throne and have a chance to maybe even win a ring because the squad has been built around him to do the same thing, that's very beautiful to see, man. So thank you for joining us. This has been Two Second Round Picks in the Fax Machine, a Loud Booth podcast presentation. I'm your host, True Story. Please like and subscribe, rate and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. Let us know what you think of the trade. We even shared some of them on, on, the, on the Twitter timeline through the trade machine as, as a result of creating the show today. So have a, have a look-see and, and let us know what you think. And we'll keep playing around with it and getting it to work, right? Because we want to see every single team have a chance to be competitive now if they have a window. If they have a chance to be competitive down the line, give them a chance. And if it was hopeless, let's put some hope into the situation. That's the whole point of two-second round picks in the fax machine. So thank you for joining us for this journey. Bless you.